I watched this whole thing unwind and it was like pop. It was just one of those magical moments that you hope to have sometime in your career. And it was like, how the hell did that happen? Because this lady's in agony and tears and all of a sudden she's fine. You're listening to the Fitness Industry Podcast, powered by Australian Fitness Network. For articles, resources, and inspiration to grow your fitness business and career, go to fitnessnetwork.com.au, where you can also find a huge range of online courses accredited for CECs and other professional development credits, with up to a massive 30% saving for members of Australian Fitness Network. And for face-to-face learning, network members also save on standard rates for Filex, the fitness industry convention. In this episode, understated maverick of anatomy and movement, Gary Ward, chats with the fitness industry podcast's Alicia Smith about how fitting ski boots led to his journey of discovery into foot pronation and supination, his unique mapping of every single joint relationship and movement outcome in the human body, and how the slightest physical insult can leave a lasting legacy in terms of how we move. Gary Ward, welcome to the Fitness Industry Podcast. Thanks for joining me. Thanks so much for having me, Alicia. Really exciting to be here. I'm so excited to talk to you. You and I were talking before we started recording the podcast and I explained that, you know, the way that I was introduced to your work was through your book, What the Foot, yep. and then a, a podcast that our, our good mutual friend, Mike Fitch, had organized an interview for all of our Animal Flow Master Instructors to do. So right. to have the opportunity to sit down and talk one-on-one with you is just really exciting. So thanks again for being here. Looking forward to it. All right. So, what do you want to ask? I want to ask you a lot of things. First of all, let's talk about the title Maverick that people tend to give you. I've seen as a bit of a maverick within the industries that you work in. Why is that? I'd love to say I don't know. I'd like to back it up quickly with it does seem that in the world of biomechanics, which is what I'm kind of passionate about keeping alive, actually, in the industry, there's we've followed one route. And there's another route which a lot of people probably haven't become aware of. And so by spending time in that space and uh, opening doors for people to move their bodies in this space, it's created different outcomes. The, the title of the book, What the Foot, is is the the other WTF was, the, <laughs> was what inspired it because people would not quite understand what I'm talking about because the frame of reference is based on this one side of the coin, the biomechanics currently owns and the other one was the it was the same response was from patients who would have back pain and would have had many many treatments and then come along and we'd look at somewhere completely different to the location of their pain and all of a sudden they'd be feeling feeling great and moving again and other people would have back pain and be doing human movement basically to correct it and starting to feel muscles and that they'd not used and stuff in a while. So going from having two discs out to feeling their abs was a response I had from a lady in May 2006 or something like that. And I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> and a lot of the time it was, I wasn't expecting that to happen and just trying then to document it and document what was happening. Uh, my background, if that's useful, mm-hmm. is, is of a, as a ski boot fitter. And so I was lucky enough to be taught by these three guys, one who still fits boots for for kind of Olympic races and stuff today, another Australian guy called Croc, that's what everyone knows him as, you you guys all love (laughs) and a French company that that we made orthotics and ski boots for. And uh, I learned so much and was just fascinated by this thing. And obviously, as a layman, I was aware that the foot is connected to the body 
but I didn't know anything about the body and I went to learn about the body and discovered that not many people were talking about the foot. So I did about 18 months of personal training in the UK before I just began teaching courses. And in that time I was looking at courses and recognizing that they weren't helping me, but connecting the foot to the body was helping me and I was able to help myself inspired by people just, uh, <laughs> inspired by people like uh, anyone doing three dimensional movement, I suppose. Sure back in the early 2000s, 2005, 2006. And, and I had a moment with a lady where I, she couldn't rotate her body and she had all this discomfort. And, and I was looking at her rotate and it was blocking. And I wanted, what if that was, what would I do to the foot to help her have that rotation if it was a skiing issue? And I'd have built an orthotic and I'd have made a foot neutral and then uh, she would have been able to rotate the body. So I just grabbed a, a yoga mat at the time, rolled it up and stuck it under her foot as an orthotic in inverted commas. And all of us, she rotated. I watched this whole thing unwind and it was like, pop. It was just one of those magical moments that you hope to have sometime in your career. And it was like, how the hell did that happen? Because this lady's in agony and tears and all of a sudden she was fine. So this is like a huge magical moment for me. How did I you just connect needed... those dots? That's crazy. How do you... That's the part that I find the most amazing, fascinating and hardest to comprehend is how did you go from that to what you've created? How did those dots come together? Uh, People ask that question a lot. There's a way that there's, there are two things that the foot does, right? The foot pronates and the foot supinates. And the, there is one way that the foot can pronate and there's one way the foot can supinate. And we're all the same, right? Now, if we pronate our foot, then we'll have a response of the body. And if we supinate our foot, we'll have a response of the body. And the question was, when do we pronate? When do we supinate? And then even in the 2000s, if you looked at the Gray Institute, they would have had a foot forward and a foot back. Lots of three-dimensional movement was in a lunge pattern. And, and the, so which one should be pronating? What should be supinating? When I pronate the foot, what does the knee do? What does the hip do? When I supinate the foot, what does the knee do? What does the hip do? And then how do you get from that front foot and when you're walking to become the back foot to become the front foot again and that's how the flow motion model was born just this inquisition and the flow motion model now is i teach five phases on the ground and two phases with it swinging through the air and but actually in between all those phases because the phase is like a photo a snapshot of when we put our head on the ground what does our body look like or what would it ideally look like and then if someone doesn't look like it should and that's leading to tensions in their muscle system then we can change that and the body joints position change and the tension changes in the body so they're all photographs and we actually ended up with 12 so there are 12 phases wow that's a lot i don't teach them all because (laughs) of that response yeah (laughs) and so let me ask you another question i'll just jump in there okay how did you end up mapping it to the point You know, how do you know what is ideal? What should be happening? You mentioned pronation, supination. Mm -hmm. Both of those need to happen in the gait cycle. There are the five, you know, phases that you kind of talk about, 12 down to five. How did you get to the point of being able to identify what was ideal? You know, did you work with X amount of people? Did you research? Like, how did you get to that point where you knew what that was all about? So there's a lot of, there was a lot of reinforcement of working with people and seeing things change and I just wrote everything down and I would be teaching people and you know my first the people who came on my course I remember two of them saying they came on my course because they felt sorry for me because it was the worst presentation they'd ever seen in their life oh no we've all been there they're still with us (laughs) they're still with us these guys but we were as you're teaching and growing and teaching and seeing I remember actually being in a group of people talking about the journey from this part of the foot to this part of the foot and going there's one in the middle 
and then just being able to kind of because the process is quite ingrained to, to be able to map it again but we used force plates i worked with a guy who hamish wolfenden who actually is he died but he was a master in biomechanics of the foot and specializing in the windlass mechanism and he had all these ideas about how the foot would move and he kind of left me with a hell of a lot of knowledge that not a lot of people were taking on and so we were able to put that insight into how the foot's moving understand the joint mechanics of how the foot's moving and then how that how that's going up the chain and the other part of this really is you it's it's in your body and and we obviously have to hope and assume that our body's all right to read it. A lot of people don't aren't actually reading their body. And that's one of the things we try and teach and, and get across to people early doors. If you can clean up the noise in your body, you'll be able to feel these movements really kind of cleanly. And also that the movements are hardwired, so you do know somewhere deep down. But away from kind of movement and mechanics, there's this idea of homeostasis in the world and balance. And I was very much engrossed in this kind of conversation. And I'm sure you'll agree <laughs> that every joint, no joint goes one way, it goes both ways. And our process is called finding centre. And so if you just take a single joint in a single plane, it will, as it moves, it will open on one side, close on the other, and then close on the other side and open on the other, and that's movement. And just observing that people were opening too much on one side, closing too much on the other side and unable to reverse it. And so what that does is start to create distortions in the system. And we can look at that globally and call it posture, postural change, and then recognize that those postural changes lead to people being on one foot, not the other. And so how, if we're talking a spine, a spine, if it's three-dimensional, it will side bend left and right. And can they do that both ways? And can they do that cleanly both ways? So you assess someone's spine and it will bend cleanly to the left and you try and go to the right and it will look, it will have kind of like, what's that coin? Do you have any coins like that? Yeah, we do. We've got a 50 cent coin. A 50 yep. cent coin that's got all the edges. <laughs> yeah. and, it, and it looks like that. And you realise that they're actually side bending right at only two vertebrae, not all of them. Yeah. So you can then create movements to make the whole spine go that way. When the spine does that, you want the pelvis to be in a position. There's no other position that you can put it in to make that happen. You'll want the hip to do something. You'll want the foot to do something. And then what you might find is it's not nothing to do with the spine. It's something to do with something that is blocked somewhere else because of a problem that they had in their childhood or an injury in their past or history. So It's amazing. It's just my, I constantly have my mind blown. I've been lucky enough to have a session with you and then an, a, a number of sessions with Tom Gelly here in Sydney, who's one of your students. Yeah. And every single time I walk out, just my mind is completely blown <laughs> how I can move one way. And I'm like, no, that feels weird. That's strange. And then Tom will be like, aha, I've got it. And he'll, you know, have me move my foot a centimeter in the other direction. And all of a sudden it's like, I'm completely yeah. unlocked. It's just amazing. Yeah, it is. It is cool. It's very cool. It's very complex, yeah. but it's very simple when you look at the, at the big pictures and you know what, what I was saying earlier about making the biomechanics relevant is, is people enter it with this educated thing, which is pronation is bad. Mm. We need to supinate it. You talk about the dark zone, right? And yeah. that's, I love that concept so much. I talk about it to any client that will listen. <laughs> the idea that, you know, we, in fitness, this is probably the biggest thing that I think that trainers need to try to break out of is that understanding 
you know, you don't have to always just lunge with your knee aligned with your second toe, right? Mm-hmm. And in fact, Absolutely. if your joint can go somewhere, then it should, otherwise it's going to stop being able to go there. Yeah. Can you speak to us a little bit more about sort of that idea of, of going outside of that dark zone? Yeah, well, so we have this idea, like, the pronation is bad, so we want to mm-hmm. supinate it. The valgus knee is bad, so we want to keep it near of a toe. And what you start, if you're really inquisitive about this and you, you put your foot on the ground, and you keep your knee in line with that toe, and let's say you flex it and you allow it to go beyond the ankle, you are able to move your knee inflection and your ankle, talocrural joint inflection, without influencing your foot bones. And so that's 30, that can be 33 joints in the foot that you've just taken out of the equation. <laughs> right, gone. You probably look back and find that your back foot's pronated because you're not thinking about it, and, and that should be doing kind of the opposite at that point in time. So if you allow your knee to come inside, you require certain mechanics of the knee. Those mechanics will allow the foot to open up. So we talk about pronation as a visual being opening all the joints on the inside of the foot, foot getting longer, foot getting wider. And then you start to enter into into pronation. And the knee as a concept to keep your dark zone question in mind is this is then a scary place, but it doesn't make it bad. It's a scary place because the knee's kind of moving inside the foot. There's no strut underneath it to keep it upright. The bones are open. The tissues are all under tension. Tissues, 13 knee tissues are being lengthened when we take the knee inside. I'm, I'm struggling for a number for foot muscles, but they're all being lengthened as well. The majority of muscles in the foot are set up to supinate it. But that means that they get length when we pronate it. And when we pronate muscles, if you lean a bone into tissue, the brain will get a, re- a reaction because what it's aware of is that bones are coming apart, tissues are getting longer, tension's increasing, and then the brain will send a signal and say, I've had enough of that, contract to bring them back. And then now movement has, has become alive. So we, once those knee muscles are, are loaded so they can learn to contract, they'll extend the knee. The foot muscles load so they can contract to supinate the foot. And now, we, now we're able to learn the movement to go in and to come out. The knee needs to go in and to come out. That's movement. If you just keep the knee out, that's not movement. If you let the knee go in and stay in, that's also not movement. So you lose the continuum automatically. And I have a line, I have one choice is no choice. Mm-hmm. If, if your knee is stuck in and valgus and never comes out, you, you don't have a choice. You're always going to have a bent knee, you're always going to have a more pronated foot, you're always going to have a pelvis rotating away from that knee. And if you train in a way, because then we would go, what do you want to do with that knee? We want to put a band around it, pull it out, get it over the toe. But what we lose then is the learning around the brain, learning to actually control that knee going in. And once it learns to control the knee going in, it starts to become safe. Because if you keep it out all the time, that one time that it goes in when you're unexpecting it, like it. that's the risk. And then your ACL, yeah. your medial ligaments, your, they're all, they're all, they all get compromised. And that's life, isn't it? You know, life isn't in perfect sagittal plane or perfect frontal plane. Absolutely like not. life is a combination of all of those. Just sport, life, yeah. walking, going barefoot. Yeah. Uh, anytime you pick something up. Even if it's like from a baby to a, a box, you take it, you've got a center of mass in this baby and a center of mass in you, and you merge as two things. Mm. And your posture has to adapt to do that. So, every movement that we do, we have to manage our mass. Put, you've got to get the weight on the right foot, you've got to get it back over to the left foot, you've got to be able to 
Yeah, and in that space, manage all of your joints, and the tissues do the managing, but the joints actually do the, the speaking. So, again, in, in the book, I wrote about joints acting and muscles reacting, and, and it was this idea that we've, we've spent so much time, certainly in gyms and fitness, actually working our muscles with this idea that if I flex my bicep, the elbow, if I contract my bicep, the elbow will flex. But the realisation in human movement is we're not contracting stuff. We're falling into muscle, which is contracting to keep us centred and balanced. So we know if we stand on a force plate, we can't stand still. So why would we try and teach standing still? Standing still comes from having great awareness of movement and being able to access all areas of your, of your, of your musculoskeletal system, I suppose, getting all the joints to move. The question that pops to mind as a result of that is around qualifications for personal trainers. So I don't know what it's like in the UK, but in Australia, there's not a lot taught about the foot or the hand, but primarily the foot for that matter, in the personal training qualifications that someone takes to become an entry-level personal trainer. Two-part question, why do you think that is? Like, why is there not been as big a focus on that as there is the rest of the body in the fitness industry? And then for someone that wants to understand how they can take the concepts of your work and implement them with their clients how do they do that where do they start part one i have absolutely no idea (laughs) i think it's kind of reserved for podiatry Mm. like most people have said over the years you know oh you know we did foot in the last semester of the physio degree or whatever when we were all getting drunk on the the fields (laughs) and sunshine in the summer because in england obviously that doesn't happen very often (laughs) i don't know i and I've, 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 I've almost stopped asking the question, but I always say, who's like, who knows about the foot? Who's in, who's, and then nobody will put their hand up. I don't know because they're in front of me or because they just genuinely think they don't know. I know that what I say about the foot, will, some podiatrists will react to, and we may have a different terminology, a different way of explaining it, um, but there's not a settled opinion on, on what the foot does. We are taught pronate, supinate, but then actually, I don't think people know what that is either. Uh, in the nicest possible way. So if, you, if your arch is flat, that's not enough to say pronation. And then you might have a high arch foot and that's not enough to say it's supinated because you could have a significant distortion in the, between the rear foot and the forefoot that mm-hmm. make, gives it an arch. But because one one part of the foot is pronated and the other part of the foot supinated to compensate for it, you end up with an arch shape, but you lost all the movement. So we have to reorganise the bones, teach the bones to not teach them to move again, give them the opportunity to move again, to load those tissues, to fall into the tissues, to get the tissues moving again and feed that movement up the chain. I don't know why. I don't know. For me, I can't understand sure. why it's yeah. not brutally obvious. And, and I know that's coming from a learned space and it probably took me a long time to, to get to it. But when I get the foot bones out, in a, in a class and show you the movement and I say that's all I want you to do and you can inspire it with this movement and that movement and all you're looking for is the things that aren't moving and then you can use it like a, a hand mobilization in order to set that free and watch the foot move it doesn't take very long sometimes to to do that and once you communicate that movement of the whole body which is the beauty of the flow motion model they start to use that foot differently with every footstep they take and then every footstep they take bones move, the tissues load, the reactions back in the body again, and, and they walk themselves well over a period of time. That's what I love most about about using movement as a therapeutic tool. So then part two is about, you know, um, for a trainer that goes, well, I don't really know that much about the foot, obviously your your work is a great place to start. How would they take the concepts of your work and think about integrating into the training that they're doing? I think that they, they 
A lot of people tell me that what the foot is a useful insight to get going. Definitely. Yeah. We're planning on doing foot educational stuff. I really wouldn't know where to send anybody else for it. There are some wonderful people talking about feet. And you have a six-day six day anatomy in motion training. Yeah. Is that right? A six-day immersion program, which is constantly repeated year after year by, mm-hmm. by delegates because they recognise the, the value in it. And they recognise that after six days, it wasn't enough to be an expert in it. So they come back and they they do it again. In in California, we have people who've been with us for four or five years, same in the UK, starting to get that little following in Australia. What do people learn in in those six days? The model. (laughs) (laughs) So first of all, we have have a a philosophical kind of conversation, which is around finding centre. And we introduce the laws. The, The laws are muscles lengthen before they contract, which is a flip on conventional thinking. Joints act muscles react which is a flip on conventional thinking everything orbits around center huge conversation around your center of mass and your base of support and then they we go through a process of actually looking at the feet and its movement and then what would happen if if your rear foot internally rotates your tibia internally rotates what happens at the knee what happens at the pelvis and then we end up spending two days some groups two days some groups one day depend on how well they're doing, actually mapping out all of these phases. And then we use the phases and the exploration to investigate people's postural limitations and the movements to overcome injury, stuff that they've had in the past. We connect all the dots around the body uh, in fun ways. So like most people have no concept that you can break your wrist and end up with a hernia in your hip, right? Because there are times when your hip is maximally extended and your hip would be doing something at a simultaneous moment. So we should be able to piece the two together. And if we can piece the two together, you should be able to feel it in your body. So we go through this whole process of feeling all these bits and exploring mm-hmm. and, and probably most importantly in ourselves. Actually, many, many movement people will come and stand on the course and assess their movements. And they, do I equally adduct left and right? Do I equally abduct left and right? Do I, can I equally rotate my pelvis left and right? And start to go, no, I can't, no, I can't, no, I can't. And instead of making movement big and sexy, we make it really small and specific and mm-hmm. understandable. And then as people start to chip away at those things, they start to get that liberation in their body, they start to experience the model more. And so it has to be six days because of this huge, it's almost like, a, it's a joke, it was like a health retreat for people. <laughs> they'd come in with all their stuff and they'd leave without it. And they'd come with new knowledge and and it it's it takes it t- it does take a while to 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 get hold of it, but it's instantly applicable, instantly applicable, and 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 we're on a this is like a fitness forum, isn't it? But it's 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 I know a lot of therapists will listen to this just because I'm speaking on it, but if you go into our community and look at the people who have taken this the furthest, they're they're all trainers, because trainers are used to looking at movement, and they're used to obsessing about someone's movement. Why why do they you know, send the hip to the right when in the squat and why can they why are they strong left foot lunge but not right foot lunge or you know, they they could become aware of this stuff where and they might think they don't have the therapeutic tools to deal with that, but now we've got one called movement that that makes it really possible. So it's a hell of a journey, the six day, for everyone. <laughs> um, and we we only teach eight or nine a year for that for that reason. But on the back of it, if you once you get through the course, we have like 300 hours of content online. Wow, that's huge. Yeah, including four full courses. So pay for one, get five. <laughs> that's uh, amazing. Uh, that's wow. how it is, yeah. Just because we, I want to be able to give people the opportunity to explore it, understand it, 
before they criticise it, which unfortunately a lot of people will attempt to do. But movement is movement. And one of the things that's always blown me away is that all I set out to do is write down what the body does and when it does it to describe where the knee goes when you strike your heel on the ground. Where does the knee go when you go flat on the ground? Where does the knee go? And, and to be able to watch it go through the cycle. How did you know when you had, because obviously you'd set out to record everything. Yeah. How did you know when you'd reached a point where you're like, I've recorded enough, I've recorded so much that my system is ready? I didn't. <laughs> I started teaching this in uh, 2000, 10 years ago. Wow. The overlap between 07 and 08. And we're currently putting the flow motion model book together. It's a bit of a a bit of a throw out there but and I'd love to be able to get it done by the end of this year which is 2018 so hold me to that guys okay uh, <laughs> and there's a, a Rob Sawyer is a lives in Melbourne met him on the courses and um, his artwork is absolutely stunning and so he's been art, doing the art for all of these phases not and all of the all of the foot positions all the knee positions so it's a it's going to be a whole anatomy book but based in movement so yeah. he took a picture of all of the uh, phases and turned them into a GIF and sent them so we could watch this skeleton walking on the page, like flip drawing. Amazing, that's so cool. And I'm looking at it, yeah, that's amazing. From behind, from the front, from the side, this was in uh, November, he sent the GIF was limping. <laughs> so how can my model be limping if it's perfect? And it, it opened up the 12th phase. I was always confused why I had 11, not 12. Uh, wow. And then we saw it from his artwork. But there, there must be flow in the system if, if it's going to work effortlessly and efficiently. And the drawing showed me something that, that we were missing. That's amazing. Um, it highlighted that, that little piece that you needed. Yeah, yeah he was just so like poking his leg off the ground. It something <laughs> wasn't quite right. <laughs> so let me ask you, because the reason that I see Tom with, you know, to use anatomy in motion is not because I have pain or anything like that. I yeah. have, there's no injury I'm trying to overcome. And I say injury in terms of there's nothing acute that's happening right now that I need help with. Mm-hmm. I go to see him because I want to be two millimeters better or I want to understand more about my body or yeah. I want to know why I rotate, you know, way more smoothly to my left than to my right. Mm-hmm. And a number of my industry colleagues now also go and see him for the exact same oh, reason. Right. You know, yes. they'll have those things like, oh, my ankles don't dorsiflex and I need to know why. Yeah. Are you experiencing more of an interest in optimization rather than just I'm in pain, fix me? No. Okay. That's really great to hear. I've gone into like a stock answer in my head, but I used to say that you have past, present, future pain. So you're talking about preventing future pain. Um, but the way we move our bodies now could be indicative of what might happen in the future. And, and it's as much worse for someone who's sedentary and has postural stuff and then one day goes, I know what I'll do, I'll go for a run. <laughs> and, and then they, they kind of highlight all of their inabilities to move, say, you know, all the weights on the right foot. They start running, pounding on the left foot that's not used to bearing weight and something, something goes wrong. Right? And I, just, I always need to interject with this, but we know, because people shout about it, we know that being off-centre isn't equal to pain. But like, you're not in pain, but you know that you've got limitations, but you're active and whatever. We look at people's... I work with chronic pain, that's... That's my, like, every clinic client who walks in the door. And they've had pain for years and they've seen everybody. And we need to look at it in a different way. And you have present pain, you have acute pain. And you can, you can see where that pain's coming from by looking at their posture, seeing how they move. Same with chronic. And you can see how it might go wrong in the future. 
and it may not go wrong in the future, but you, you've got that whole, whole kind of framework. I actually think on a big enough scale, there's not enough people recognise. We know prevention's better than the cure, but how do we really how do we really do that? We're not. There's a there's a side of this industry that says we can't actually change structure. Structure doesn't change, but we know when we look at it this way that we actually see it and people experience it and it's measurable. And so we know that by making changes to people's structure that they start to move more effortlessly, more efficiently, they run more cleanly, they hit a golf ball sweeter, their back pain goes away or whatever. So kind of forgot the question. So yeah, I was just asking about whether, yeah, you know, I guess it was just to find out who are you seeing? Is it people in pain or is it people that want to optimise their bodies? Yeah. And I guess you're dealing in the chronic pain space. So yeah. That's, it's but, but just I think interesting. Many trainers all over the world know that the people coming in their gyms, they want to exercise, they want to train, but they also know that they've got limitations. And so we'll go into this mindset of stretching and strengthening rather than actually going, what joints are not moving well? And it's such a quick in to someone's body and to understand their body. And we can start to use movements and instantly get into the inverted commas again training realm, but in a, in a corrective way before you move them into you know, their goal achieving stuff. <laughs> so there's so much can be achieved with it. It is basically a model of how the human body moves and whether it's it's based on walking, but the same patterns are present in when we ski, in the golf swing, on a surfboard, you know, anything, climbing, any anything, dancing. Yeah. And then, you know, the aerial stuff that, that you do, I've been working with some people in London on that, which would be more of the preventative actually, which is nice to be, <laughs> to consider. But then all of, all of the patterns will come out. But it, it seems to me that there is a neurological way the body's set up, which not really that crazy, is it? Mm-hmm. Uh, we all decided to stand up. We all decided to walk. We get a bump uh, on our head. Our head tips to the left a little bit. All of a sudden, we're going to bear weight in one foot or the other. Mm-hmm. And then we spend the rest of our life like that. And we complain about back pain and we get rubbed and stretched or strengthened or core or and actually what you just need to do is teach the head to go the other way and the whole body settles down again and it's it's kind of immediate almost the point you don't have to educate the body to move you have to take the blockages away that prevent it from doing so and how do we find what they are and so i could imagine that given how important those things are like you had a bump on the head five years ago that collecting a really detailed history of anyone that you work with would it significantly underpin the work that you can do with them paramount yeah I'll take a history all the way back to birth. Wow. And then as an initial, we'll look for the earliest kind of insults. AT still found of osteopathy called them insults to the body. So the earliest insult to the body and the most impactful. But sometimes it can be the the tiniest little thing. Like uh, I remember uh, Chris talking about a guy who had a really tiny flick under the eye with a branch. Tiny, but it was enough to... Because it's a really vulnerable place, wow. the tiniest thing had really set his whole body off. Or a kid who had verrucas and stopped putting his big toe down on the ground for whatever period of time of his life and still wasn't doing it. It's just amazing. That's, oh, I just don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> but it's so true because it's like when you can... When you, when you collect all of those pieces, you know, all the past experiences form who you are today in Absolutely. every possible yeah. version of your body. It doesn't have to just be a physical manifestation. It's emotional. It's psychological. It's all of Absolutely, those things. Yeah. And I, that whole bio, psycho, social yeah. is really important. The three leggings. My focus is on the biomechanics and I recognize that doing biomechanics well also inspires the psycho and the social side of things. And, and the other thing is that... I think is really important because a lot of we 
maybe like to think that we're the people who do the fixing and people come to us because they, they need building up, but it's the people who do the building up. It's the people who fix themselves. But we just have to shine a light. And what guidance have we got to know where to look and where to point them? Giving, creating an environment for somebody to move well through using our movement tools is what will inspire their internal system. We have, is it 206 bones all moving in three di directions, dimensions, and a footstep is 0.6 to 0.8 seconds long. And in, get, in just from getting from heel to toe on your right foot, every single one of those bones moves in all three dimensions. And people say, we want to do, can we get good at looking at gates? And you go, how are you going to log that? Like, you can't even remember to take your keys out the door. <laughs> when you're in a rush <laughs> no. so we need a way of, of doing that and but imagine all of those bones and joints in every footstep opening and closing on both sides in all three dimensions and how that irrigates the system how it leans into every single muscle how it inspires every nerve to slide how it pumps every organ in in how it allows breath into the system and lets lymph clear. It's a completely healing uh, environment that you create by having good movement. Because most of us have had those bumps on the head or high impacts, and we got up and we cracked on and we ended up creating a new pattern of movement. And a new pattern of movement, unfortunately, if it's not the optimum one, is a one-sided one. And we live in that space. So our awareness of our body lives in that space. And all of this other stuff that we can't see or touch it just goes untouched for years and a lot of therapy and training will just be working on a person's awareness around how they move rather than creating a new awareness of how they move and that's when things really start to change wow gary we could just talk about this stuff all day but <laughs> i do it's so detailed <laughs> so how can people find out more about the work you're doing any courses you've got coming up and just generally follow everything that you're up to uh, so www.findingcenter spelled the english way which is how you spell it yes yeah Someone accused me of spelling so Center finding center C E N T R E. Yes, yes. In the in the States he said, I love your book, but you spelled center wrong. <laughs> You're find, not wrong. <laughs> Findingcenter.co.uk. Yeah. Anatomyemotion.co.uk will get you to the same place. Whatthefoot.co.uk or Amazon also sells what the foot that's and anybody who inquires about the courses we say read the book if you hate the book then don't come on the course. If you love the book then we'd love to work with you. Yeah. And Anatomy in Motion on Facebook, is that right? Anatomy in Motion on Facebook, mm -hmm. thank you, is a is the page. Gary Ward as well, please follow Instagram, Gary Ward underscore AIM. And I was just thinking, uh, on the Finding Centre thing, if you're interested in checking out how your own body moves, there is a thing in the top right corner called Wake Your Body Up. And it's a, I set it out as a highly, hopefully informative, educational, so any trainers would be able to take this process through themselves and try it out on other people. Uh, but it's got a bit about history, it's got a bit about how, how we move in three dimensions, and it's got, if you can tap into the movements that you can't do, it's got some movement exercises that you can sync the whole body together to, to go through it. So it's a three-hour thing for price of a couple of coffees. I just wanted it to be throwaway, giveaway, but hopefully highly valuable. That's great. So findingcenter.co.uk. Yes. Awesome. Gary, thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute honor to interview you. It's been my pleasure. And um, I'm super excited to, to keep learning more about your work. And, and I know a lot of trainers that have been listening to this will also be diving in. So great. thanks for joining us on the Fitness Industry Podcast. Thank you so much, Alicia.
For a huge range of online courses for fitness professionals, including the in-depth corrective exercise trainer course, fully accredited for CECs and other continuing education points, go to the network website and select the courses tab. The corrective exercise trainer specialization includes comprehensive modules on structural assessment, muscles and movement, fundamentals of corrective exercise, and corrective exercise program design. And network members get massive discounts of up to 30% off all courses. Go to fitnessnetwork.com.au today to grow your skill set and fitness career.